the word intentional, you know, that I love that word. You've been hearing it a lot. Uh, what's it mean to you? Yeah, I, I love that word. Intentional is having that plan, having that goal, right? And then what are the steps to get to that goal? And then consistently work those steps uh, every single day to get to that goal. That's intentional to me. Welcome to Intentional Growth, a show that teaches you as a business owner and entrepreneur to view and run your company like a financial asset, which will allow you to enjoy work, create wealth, and make an impact. This mindset will help you focus on building a more valuable business and give you the choices to grow, acquire, reinvest, or exit and live the life you plan for, all with intention. And now here's your host, Ryan Tansom. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. I am super pumped for today's topic and guests. We are going to be talking about how to create ridiculously scalable rockstar sales teams, back office processes in order to disrupt an industry all while delivering best-in-class products and services to the client who's unbelievably happy. So many times I interact with founders and entrepreneurs that are still stuck in a sales relationship with at least huge clients or vendors, or they're the main salesperson as other people are setting appointments for them, so they can't get out of the sales function and or some people can't get out of the ops and service delivery function because that was their original skill set. John Lacasse, who is our guest today, he is one of the co-founders of Lifetime Advisors, is going to share his story of how he's effectively done just this multiple times in multiple companies and then sold them. Our conversation dives deep into John's unique strategy of ensuring that every stakeholder gets what they want and deserve from his clients to his sales reps to the company itself. And we explore and emphasize an understanding of motivations of every one of the stakeholders, delivering education throughout the entire process, and crafting repeatable solutions through scalable systems and processes. All of this is paired with an insane rigor of tracking results that forms the backbone of John's philosophy. John is an execution machine, and he's doing it through leverage of understanding what everybody wants and dividing everybody's roles and responsibilities to what they do best. We also dive into John's transformative experience with research and development tax credits, which led him to the birth of Lifetime Advisors. This experience revealed that a, there was a huge gaping hole in the tax planning industry because his agents that were talking to the business owners about health insurance, he, they kept finding that there was a huge, big gap in their understanding of what they owed for annual taxes, but also taxes long term, which led them to then building out lifetime advisors where their focus is on advanced tax planning in the annual tax planning, the long-term capital gains tax planning, and advanced estate tax planning which is exactly built on the business model that he has been doing for 20 to 30 years, where it's understanding what the client's needs are, making sure that the field consultants are spending as much time with the business owners, understanding their needs and wants, and making sure that they're delivering their solutions through lifetime advisors without having to do all the work themselves. So John addresses this gap in the industry, as well as the business model of the traditional advice where the advisors have to do all of the certifications and all of the education themselves, then find the clients and then deliver the services, which generally 
I would say leads to not as many happy business owners and also burnt out advisors. They're flipping that entire business model on its head through the model John has been working on for decades. So I think you're going to love this episode because you can start thinking about how it could apply to your industry and your business. Could you effectively decouple yourself from sales, from operations, and potentially from overhead because you're thinking about a model like this, but also think about the advisors you're working with and are they dealing with the old model where they're having to do everything, which is why you're not getting the proactive planning. And I think this is a wonderful episode to highlight the importance of team building, dividing people into their unique abilities, and then making sure that every stakeholder get what's they, gets what they need. And I truly believe that if every stakeholder is thought through and making sure that everybody's aligned, you can create wealth, enjoy work, and make an impact by growing a valuable company that has leverage like John's talking about. And if you want to do more research on this and learn how to do it, go check out the Intentional Growth Starter Kit, where I actually walk you through how you can scale and forecast out the value of your company. And if you have the numbers, I highly believe that then you can build out or think through business models like John's talking about because you understand the financial implications of whether it's going to get you closer to your goal or further away. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with John and I hope it helps you as well. You ever found yourself in your office after an executive meeting and you're sitting there going, I have huge decisions to make, whether it's hiring that next key employee, buying that next piece of machinery, buying a building, launching a location or product or whatever it might be. And you're sitting there going, is this the right decision? And then you think back about the original vision you had when you started the business or the vision you have right now that you know is possible in the marketplace and you sit there and go, how do you know and how do I know that what I'm doing is the right thing when realistically you have the option just take all the money home and solve for annual cash flow and essentially just have a job that's kicking out a lot of cash. The reason that you would do all those things is because you want to grow a company that's worth a bunch of money that gives you the freedom of choices to do what you want long term, whether that's take a back seat and be a passive investor, whether that's sell part of it or some of it, essentially just have as many choices as you want. But what we find is that most times entrepreneurs and business owners are solving for annual cash flow because they don't know how to measure and monitor the value of the business and where they are today and how what they're investing and doing is growing a more valuable business and how to measure that into the future. And I had experienced the exact same thing. I ran a family business that was doing 20 million in revenue, 100 and some employees. And my dad and I had this constant conversation back and forth about what we should be doing and where we should be going. But we never really knew whether what we were spending our time and money on was making us progress towards that eventual goal of having a valuation that we wanted that gave us the choices. So then you have to sit there and go, maybe I should just take the money home or I should just hope and pray. That is exactly why we created this financial assessment because if you organize your financials in a certain way and we have this financial foundation with four components, you take this assessment, it's 22 questions, you don't need your financials and at the end result of it, there's a results page where Pat, my partner and I walk through five videos to show you a case study of what good looks like and how to actually project out the future value of the company and how you can make the decisions clear today to say if I do these things what's the impact on cash flow today my ability to fund my growth take the distributions pay for taxes all while staying in line progressing towards the valuation that I want so go take the assessment below and I hope you enjoy morning John how are you good to see you again yeah I'm I'm so excited for this conversation we got introduced 
I'm just going to tell the story because we got introduced by my dad, Corey. And for the listeners, then they know a decent amount about my story. So when he was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this really cool thing with this guy, John, and it's about taxes. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're selling used cars right now. You were flipping houses. You were investing in water, uh, water like technology. He had, he had so many irons in the fire. I was like, I don't sure come back. Like if, if this, if this conversation continues to happen, I might give it some validity. <laughs> so like the conversation kept coming up over months. And when I met you, I was like, oh my God. Like, this is actually a, like real something. It's not just another Corey flashy object. And so uh, I, I was unbelievably impressed with your story, which is why I'm excited to have you on the show. And because you have built some serious teams in the past and you get salespeople and you get the customer at the same time and operations. So I think you might be kind of a unicorn. <laughs> so why don't you just give everybody a little bit of uh, just a flyby, John, of like what you're doing now. And then we'll kind of take the story in sequential order. but. You know, what are, what are you up to? Yeah, these well, uh, it's, it's a lot of a lot, Ryan. And uh, it's been uh, <laughs> the last few years have been um, an amazing journey, actually. And so it's just been a blast. And um, yeah, it's funny when you and I met, it was just like, you know, fire hydrant hose hit me from all different angles. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, well, you know, but our um, the connection and uh, what uh, Arcona was doing is doing just fascinated me and uh, I, I wanted to keep um, getting to know Arcona, getting to know Ryan better. And, um, and, and the last thing I had time to do was have more meetings, but uh, it was uh, just really a, 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 just like, okay, I've got to meet this guy because what Arcona does is such a perfect blend with, uh, with what we do with lifetime advisors does. So, yeah. So uh, lifetime advisors, uh, Ryan, um, you know, we uh, formed a, a company uh, with, there's five of us owners, uh, each one of us a specialty in their own wheelhouse and their own, um, uh, in their own, in their own, um, what they've done for the last 20, 30 years. And so we blended this together to form a lot of lifetime, lifetime advisors. And so, you know, I can, I can dive into that because it's not just, well, what do you do? Well, multiple things that we do. Well, and I think what was fascinating, John, is as when we met, like, I would say that, like, I had, like, the most half-assed, horrible attempt of building what you're trying to build, like, eight years ago with no capital and just an idea. And I was, like, selling this dream and then trying to, like, do the same stuff, like, trying to do it all. And it just completely broke me, which is kind of what I call the 1.0 version. I mean, when you're sitting down, and we'll get into this, but, like, it's truly the holistic picture of all the technical stuff that the business owner needs as a guide of like, how do you wrap all of the things that the business owner needs within then around the business and getting visibility into the business and your ability to build these teams. I mean, when I jumped on, you're like, yeah, I've got a hundred of these advisors that are just willing to go out, talk to business owners and sell what we are helping build the solutions to. I thought it was so unique. I'm like, how has John got a hundred of these people just showing up on a Friday going, John, what can we sell? And I'm like, uh, that you kind of got something here, John. So let's take, take us back, John. Like, how did you become, or how did you jump into entrepreneurship and how did you get the, the flavor of like, Hey, I think I want to build teams. Like this is something that I'm, uh, yeah, I'm no, it's a, that's a great question, Ryan, because the last thing I wanted to do was build teams. And, you know, if I, <laughs> well, here you are. If I, uh, well, if I go back decades, you know, I, I've, um, 
uh, you know, my background is perfect for the uh, uh, proactive tax planning, insurance, financial planning, because I did concrete work for 15 years. And so, right? And so thank goodness at a young enough age, the back uh, got bad. And so it forced me to look for something different to do. And I ended up in the by, by the way, I have to interrupt you. When I actually, when we had our first meeting and you were complaining about the concrete around your new pool, now, now it actually yeah. makes sense. Like you actually have an eye of what's supposed That's to right. be right. Yeah, it, it bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, awesome. no, so we just, uh, you know, at that point, I, well, I have to find, this was decades ago, you know, so I had to find something different to do and I ended up in the uh, health insurance world and, um, you know, rolled with that. And then, um, you know, after, oh, I don't know, six, seven years of doing that. Were you yeah, just selling? Just Were you selling, just selling health, health insurance, just... a business to business, uh, just, um, you know, the old fashioned way, well, be, well before your time, Ryan, you know, where we were. Hey, by the way, I'll give you a little, like, by the way, I don't know if I told you this, but, uh, um, before if I was 98% about to take a job for Johnson McCann health insurance benefits before taking the job with the family business. So I about did what you were about to do. <laughs> and the, and it's the cold calling with the guard before it was like the King's Atlas. Yeah, it man. really <laughs> was, dude, the Atlas and go knocking on doors and, you know, all that fun stuff and a lot of cold calling. But uh, so anyways, you fast forwarded and one thing led to another and I ended up in a, in a role where um, I worked for a division of Citigroup. And um, and so what had happened is life happened. And so it was um, became a single father uh, with three young children. And um, I'm like, if I'm ever going to be able to uh, do what I want to do, and that was be the best father that that I could possibly be. Um, I couldn't be out um, selling uh, the way that I was, you know, all day and you know, late in the evenings and what have you. Wow, that makes so much. I, I mean, I got you know that I got twin girls, and I have a spouse that helps me fifty percent. I would give her the sixty percent quality, or uh, yeah. actually, yeah. and that's hard. So I can't even imagine you know having that kind of responsibility. So how did you? What I find interesting, John, is like when people get constraints and they have like a challenge and the constraints are very obvious in front of them, creativity starts to come into play of like, how do I solve this problem while looking at everything a little bit differently? So how did you start thinking about that? Of like, hey, I still got to sell and still got to scale and make income, but I can't do it with the way I've been doing it. How did you start? Yeah, it's really uh, exactly what you said there, Ryan. And it's just like, okay, um, I, I love what I'm doing now. And that, that is uh, with the um, helping people in the financial services world. Uh, so I really love doing that. But again, my priority was um, I'm not going to be this, um, you know, father that is, is not in my children's life very much. And so um, there, I went uh, leveraging and, uh, and um, I was <clears throat> shown and I was taught and I uh, grasped the concept if I was able to uh, build a team of people and where I could train them. And then um, it then allowed me the time to be able to uh, spend with my children because then I wasn't, I didn't have to at that point being out after hours, um, you know, selling. And so the, the leveraging effect mm -hmm. uh, came into play there. And, um, you know, I just ran with that and, and as that continued to grow, the team of people, you know, it, 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 you try to build a team 
and it really um, certain qualities you look for in people. And so not, you know, just like if you were uh, coaching a basketball team, you know, you're not going to put a, you know, five foot five person at center, you know, so it's a certain qualities, certain characteristics that you look for and uh, people that have great uh, work ethic and people skills and leadership abilities. And they, they care about uh, servicing the client. And so, you know, I was able to um, build a team of people and, um, and we implemented really sound um, training strategies. Now, Ryan, we would at that point, again, so I was running offices for a division of Citigroup at that point, you know, worked my way up. And uh, so then it was really just uh, teaching and training and educating uh, the sales force. Um, but we would take people from outside of the industry and bring them into the industry. I'm going to, we're going to unpack the heck out of this, John, because people listening in, like, I got to say, man, out of like the last decade, I mean, and because I didn't realize, like, I mean, I came, I came from a sales organization too. You, you've gotten a solid, uh, visible, uh, solid, uh, sample size of what it's like to be inside the copy industry with some of the people you've surrounded yourself with recently. <laughs> and, and, but so you, I wanna, the reason I bring that up, John, is because I'd say a lot of over the last decade, it's a huge challenge for business owners to decouple themselves from the person that's got all the relationships. I'd say the sale, building a sales team, if they, if the end industry and the business model needs a sales team versus like, you know, some sort of marketing, direct marketing, but like, it's really hard because people are like, well, they're not like me. They're not the founder. They don't have the passion. So let's go back to like, you're like, I need to spend more time with my daughters. I'm going to build a team. Like, to where you are today, I'm I'm assuming there was a couple of bumps and bruises of like learning how like you would just rattle off a bunch of qualities of good people that are good. I'm assuming that wasn't just hand delivered in a book like says, Hey, look, look for this. How did you start? Like, like what were you doing to like start training people? Maybe a, a two a kind of two lenses, John, of like from the the people side of training, but also from the money side, getting people incentivized. How did like how do you get them educated and then incentivized? to run on their own so you don't have to Yeah, it's a great question, Ryan, because uh, people, we're all different, right? And that that's part of the characteristics of being able to uh, find motivated people that, um, you know, what, what what was their why? What what was their need? And a lot mm-hmm. of them, it's just like, you know, I need to make just an extra 5,000 a month. I need, need to make an extra 3,000, or, you know, I need to make, you know, 20,000 a month or whatever. And uh, and then we would unpack that why. I mean, it really, you know, the why is of everybody, oh, know your why, know your why. But it really truly does come down to that. It's just like, well, why do you need to make that why, why, why? And we would um, we would figure that out, and then we would lay out a game plan. But if I wanted, and this is where some of the bumps and bruises in building the team, you know, I, I wanted it for a lot of them. I wanted it way more than they wanted it. You know, they would talk the talk, and this is my why, this is everything else, and I'd pour everything I have into them. And, uh, you know, then they would take way, way, way more time off than I ever did. And uh, <laughs> You're like, wait a second. <laughs> I thought you wanted That's this right. really bad. <laughs> you know, I mean, you sat in my office and you were crying. And so it really truly does come down to the, uh, you know, finding out the why. And then do they really want to, um, you know, do they really need to make this? And in order to 
provide for their family better, whatever that reason was. And um, the majority of them didn't want that. You know, the talk was there, but not the action. And I think everybody that was listening and just went, I have experienced those type of people. (laughs) So what was the, like, what was the noticeable difference if you found the person that you could understand their why? And I'm relating and resonating, John, because like when I was on board, because I I can honestly say that sales manager back when I was doing it 10 years ago, I'd probably be a lot better. was horrible style. It was like, I did more phone calls and showed up at six 30. How come you didn't? That was pretty much the end of it. Like, but when you, when I, when you find a why it's amazing how you can then guide that person into their future. So like, how did you, like, what was the experience that you found when you found that, when you kind of connected with that versus when, if you did. Yeah, it was really, uh, it was really amazing because, um, you know, a couple of individuals, I mean, we just, um, you know, their why was real and they wanted to go after it and then you know there was two of us and then uh like the saying says birds of a feather flock together uh you know a lot of different sayings for that but it truly is right and so then uh, you know we were able to attract the, the like-minded people and uh our two turned to three our three turned to four our four turned to eight and um uh, we were able to just build a, a solid team but really about you know say 20 to 30 like top producers that um that were following the system you know there's a there was a very defined system and process wrapped around all that controlled chaos you know <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah that, that might be the title of this show yeah, i think <laughs> yeah, it really is what it is and uh, i mean a very defined system wrapped around that but uh, when you find that like-minded people uh, then um, the leveraging effect really starts taking over uh, because then you're not the one running everything. Um, you're not the one motivating every day. You're not the one. They are. The team is. And, you know, the competition comes in there, which is fun. Competition is fun. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, so really it was um, learning to say, hey, John, you're, you need to figure out the qualities and the characteristics and really um, understand, you know, what they want and are they, what they say, is it true? Is it the truth? You know, and don't exert all your energy to where, um, you know, don't listen to the talk, watch, watch the actions. So. Yes. Oh, isn't it? So, yeah, it, it, there, uh, I think you and I both read the book, Keith Cunningham and the Road Less Stupid, and he talks about the intrinsic motivation. He's like, he, he almost says it's like binary. You either have the intrinsic motivation, which is what you're finding in these people, or they just don't have it. And you can't instill that into someone else. So you, you're now building you're now building these, this team in Citigroup, and you're leveraging yourself through time and through the, the people that are out there talking. So maybe I think this would be an interesting uh, point, John, maybe explain a little bit because then I want to talk about how you're building teams and how you've kind of got to where you're, what you're doing and how you're building lifetime. Cause I think it's very disruptive, but um, as you're building these teams, um, what uh, like your old industry, I think is a very fascinating, like how the business model works. You know what I mean? Like, cause like when you were talking about how many financial plans you were kicking out, like, and you know, kind of like planting some seeds, it's like the system that you're talking about, follow the process and then the message of like, so 
explain your old industry and how that works. Cause I think it, it, it lends some insight of like how you were able to build these teams within in the system. old, in my previous life. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. the insurance and the, the financial plan. Yeah. So like the, um, the offices that um, I oversaw again, was a division of Citigroup. And so it was uh, term life insurance. It was mutual funds and it was simple interest mortgages, which is different than, you know, the rest of the industry, uh, mortgage industry selling a scheduled interest mortgage. And so those are the three main points and uh, showing people how to become debt free and putting a plan together for them to become to eliminate their debt. And so it was those. Uh, it's like the old Dave Ramsey, right? It's just like, like, here's the yeah, goal. And yeah, yeah it's uh, very similar. I mean, uh, Dave Ramsey came after, you know, this whole, um, you know, these concepts and that he picked up and ran with it. Um, but really that's what it was. And, um, and, and here's when we were diving into that and this is where the education comes into. So it's not a, it should never be a sales process, part uh, sales process. It should be an education process because back then I'm like, Oh crap, I, I don't understand mutual funds. I don't have a clue. I don't understand insurance. I don't understand mortgages. And, um, and, and so we would break down a, an insurance policy. And we'd put side by side, we'd go line by line, we'd break down a mutual fund, we'd break down, you know, the mortgages, everything, and put it side by side, and we would make it simple. Because most people, Ryan, I don't admit, you probably are not one of these, but most people <laughs> do not understand their insurance, their mutual funds, their mortgage, and now their taxes, you know. And so it really mm -hmm. turned into the edu educating the team was um, a, a truly an educational process. So then they could then go out and educate the consumer and really so they could understand all the hidden fees and the insurance and the mortgages and the mutual funds and everything. And so we just built a very strong uh, educational platform that was repeat every single day, you know, day in. You, why don't you do, the Johnisms that I've got now? Why don't you give? Why don't you give them? Like it's the I'm giving the gesture. Yeah, so yep, the dive about. right, the dive left, and, and yeah, that's, that's it, there. right? And that's really where it uh, it really evolved. It's just like you know because people would train on this stuff, and I'm like, what the heck did he just say for three hours? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so you know, we I would just go in and I'm like, I'd write this down and, you know, side by side, AB and comparison and just figure it out. And, uh, and then we just made it, you know, put it in a, a simple format. Well, I want to unpack that right there because like what I find very interesting because you, it's kind of how I think too, John, but it's like, so you are, let me ask it instead of putting words in your mouth, how do you balance or how do you thread the needle from like the client needs something? Like you said, mentioned that your clients were looking for debt-free or a plan. Then you review your advisors where you find their why and their financial needs. But then you have to deliver it so that way the salesperson's not doing all the work and the client's not getting something sold to them that right. they regret. And I think that balance right there, John, I find very few companies that, that have nailed that because it's like you can crush the sales process, but you got people selling stuff to people that don't need it. That then therefore, you know, they, they're eventually out, they're, they're outrunning the bad customer reviews and all that stuff. Or like you might have a wonderful product, but then you can't get the owner to you know, leverage and scale themselves or they're like, it's a great product. 
and the client doesn't need it. So like, I mean, you, those three stakeholders of the client, the sales rep, and then the machine, how do you think about those three stakeholders? And like, in order to build, yeah, the it really talking. works a reverse engineer, right? Uh, meeting with the client and finding out their needs, their whys, and that's hence, you know, the financial plan, uh, putting that together. And that all comes from them, the information, you know, uh, you know, what do they want for protection? What do they want for retirement? And, you know, when do they want to be debt free? And then you just reverse engineer it, and um, you know if we're we put the plan together to be able to to uh, meet their their needs, their their whys, and then <clears throat> then being with the uh, with the sales force, being able to train them to deliver it in a simple manner, and that's where that AB you know comparison comes in, and that was really our staple back then. Is okay, here you are now. Here's here's where you could be, and this is how you do it. It was that simple. Left, right, A, B. Well, weird. It's like exactly what yeah, we're building right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. so what did you, like, within City Group, because let's talk about then the, the scale that you got to, because you, and from how many plans you're pumping out or whatever you feel comfortable sharing, John, how many plans or how many people you have, because what I've seen from you is you know that the salesperson should be talking to people where I watch other business owners were like, well, they're just hanging out with people. They need to do some admin work. Right. <laughs> so like you've had the exact opposite approach. So what kind of scale did you get to? And then how did you, how did you build the machine to make sure that they were staying in front of you? Yeah, people? it was. Um, and a lot of it was accountability. You know, so all of us, we were accountable to one another and we would track our numbers like crazy, but you know, in the whole office, it probably got up to about where we were kicking out, you know, about 100 financial needs analysis uh, a week. And um, and and then again, that was our starting point with the client to find out their need and their why. And so then um, uh, that that was a starting point. So we would try to call that. And then, okay, when you, when you deliver that plan, you know, what were the results? And so, you know, we had a big old tracking system and we would track, you know, how many appointments, you know, how many first time appointments, how many carrybacks, you know, what was the results, you know, um, I mean, all the way back to, you know, back then, how many people did you contact to set up the appointment? Yeah, yeah. You know, it. so it's just a lot of accountability. Uh, but, but again, it always starts at, um, you know, it's never forcing something on someone that they didn't need it, you know, so if they, Maybe they needed it, but then did they end up going through with it because of, um, or maybe they didn't feel comfortable with our product or, you know, the person delivering it for a number of different reasons. Uh, but it all started there, you know, it starts with the client and it works back. And, and again, with, with the sales force, it really turned into, not turned in, it was a uh, developed and refined um, teaching them, you know, complicated matters. You know, this stuff is wasn't isn't. I don't know if it is now, but it wasn't taught. <laughs> it's still, it's as clear as mud. It's yeah. still. <laughs> well, and, but and, and so you were teaching them this, Jan. But like, they weren't. What's unique about it? What's unique about your 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 army? I don't know how else to put it. Is they're not out there educating people to death, where then they don't move forward, though. So I think that's a crucial part. Yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> uh, Ryan. The the old saying, you know, the simpler, the better. Talk less, you know, <laughs> give, give, them, give them the information that they need. I mean, obviously you can't hold back, but, you know, the important stuff is like, hey, here's here's the fees. Here's what it's going to cost you. Here's uh, how much, 
uh, here's when you'll be debt free. And again, I'm talking about the previous life. You know, mm -hmm. here's when you're going to be debt free. And here's, uh, you know, if you follow this, this is what will happen. And, um, you know, so, you know, forget all the fluff, forget all the razzle and dazzle. Just there, we, the, the great thing about this, we work with adults and adults can make up their own minds. You know, right? I think most of the most of the people around these days have forgotten yeah. that. <laughs> but 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 I think it's so helpful because you you built the system dive left dive right for the sales agent, and they don't have to educate them about mortgages in real time. Like you said, it's where are you? Where do you want to go? Trust yeah. the process. So you said you what did your team get up to like over a hundred or something like that? And maybe we can kind of we can keep the uh, story going because how long did you work within CD Group and how big did the team go? Because then you ended up selling your book or transitioning your yeah. book into yeah. then. Mm -hmm. I, I was that is correct, line. So I, I was um, oh, I was with that uh, firm for twelve years, <clears throat> and um, and so then after. After that, uh, for uh, some different reasons, I'm like, okay, I've had enough of this. Um, great experience, wonderful experience, and uh, but life happens, and so I it sold that book of business and and um, really dove back into uh, what I started, in, and that was uh, health insurance to small business owners. And so, um, you know, that was probably 2011. Got it. So, without um, whatever details you're willing to share is. You know, you because you've been through the uh, the intentional growth academy boot camp. We talk about this role versus like the asset. When what were some of the th reasons that you decided that you had to move on? Was it like you didn't? Was it the environment, the people, board? You know, what were some of the reasons that you started that started gnawing at you that you needed something different? Yeah, it was um, the leadership um, that was uh, you know my leadership that uh, it got out of balance for me. And even though, um, you know, we were in a, we were in a captive situation. Uh, so there was some flexibility there, but basically, you know, it's a, I guess, quasi employee. And um, yeah, it's kind of like the Edward Jones subsidiaries or RBC subsidiaries or some sort of franchisee. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to go through the rest of my life. I don't adhere to these. Um, I don't, I, I didn't, um, I, I didn't want to butt heads for the rest of my career. And um, I was not, I was not happy. I was not satisfied inside because, um, you know, um, we, we were doing a tremendous job and, um, you know, having a thumb on me all the time. And, um, you know, just uh, for whatever reason, so I'll just put it this way, is that my immediate leadership and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this. And so, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. thank God, you know, it's just, I mean, I loved what I was doing. I really did. It was a very, very difficult decision. And, um, and it probably took me, um, you know, two years to finally pull the plug on it because I loved the people. I loved what I was doing and, but I just couldn't, um, I, I was not going to keep butting heads. And, uh, so I made that decision mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it, it was tough. It was very, very tough. And uh, it was very emotional, and it was just um, really uh, uh, a, a difficult decision. But I, I look back now, and I'm like, thank God I made that decision. Well, good for you for, for having that kind of reflection. And I think it's a it's an important part of the story, John, because like you and I both know, as we've been working together now for this last year, is like a lot of times when you think about, especially as you're building your sales force it's not about the numbers all the time. Like that, I, like I could hear in your, like, cause I've had those similar, I've similar experiences where you feel trapped 
And it's like, pull out the hand grenades, throw them behind you and burn the ships because I don't want this feeling anymore. And people are like, well, what about the money? Like, no, no, no. This feeling is horrible. And I think it's just, it's an important balance between the, the emotions and the financials. And they, they have a strong yeah, correlation. No doubt they them. do, Ryan. Um, and so um, it, it is so true. I mean, uh, you know, most people, I don't know what the st- statistics is anymore, but people that work a job, they absolutely hate it. Um, I think a, a high uh, percentage of them do. And um, I per- personally, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed not having a, a boss. Um, <laughs> Likewise, my friend. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I enjoy working with uh, partners, affiliate, affiliations, um, strategic partners. Uh, things like that, and so again, it, it comes down comes down to you know really feeling fulfilled and uh, being excited uh, to what you what you do and how you can uh, impact and help people's lives mm-hmm. for sure. So, as you did, you get that out of the health insurance because I know you you've sold that sense. So we can kind of how did that fit in that desire to be fulfilled, happy around the right people without a boss. Yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting because I just said, okay, let's um, go ahead and sell this book. And, and um, you know, one thing that led to another, I thought I'd uh, kick back for a few years and figure things out. And, you know, but one thing led to another and I'm like, oh, it looks like uh, that two years, um, you know, again, I don't want to get too deep into it. It's just like, uh, you know, the transaction didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen. And so one thing led to another. And I'm like, okay, let's just build a new book of business and we'll go back into the health insurance side of things. And How did you process, before you keep going, because people listening and I think have all had similar experiences to try to do this. It went the not the way I wanted or the opposite the way that I wanted to. How do you, I'm just asking from personal experience, John, how do you, make sure that the resentment doesn't build up inside of you? Yeah, that's an awesome question, Ryan. Um, yeah, there was some, you know, no doubt. And But I think we all know if you get to a certain point in life, it's just like, if you keep carrying that around, you're just, you're just damaging yourself. And, um, you know, so that was quickly removed, you know, on my, my side. And, and uh, you know, do have the, the strong belief and faith that, um, you know, things will um, work out. And, um, and again, and they did, and uh, they do, you know, they do and they did, you know, so I heard this one quote, John, it was like, when you're in the middle of something, it's, it's just the shit storm. It's not until you're other on the other end where you're like, Oh, it's like, like you're, when you're in the middle of something, it's always, you know, you have no idea whether it's going to work or not. So you, you just have to have faith to get to the other side to then reassess. Oh, so true. Isn't that the, the fact of the, the truth? Uh, that is the fact of the matter right there, Ryan. And, uh, but boy, as you, you, you know, during those times and you get out, it's just like that. It's just the, the most uh, immeasurable amount of growth that happens in those times. I mean, it's just awesome. I know. And it's like, it's like, you know what the worst part is, is when you know that and you're sitting down, like, cause I journal and stuff and I'm like, supposedly this is going to be good for me. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I'm not seeing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of those days and weeks and months there for, for a period of time, no doubt. So so how what, what how did the health insurance company take shape? Like, how what was the size scale? How long did you own it? And did it actually start to fulfill you like you were intending? 
I hope you're enjoying this episode with John. If I were to think back of what would help me as I'm thinking about this, it would be understanding the eight functional areas, which is our principle number four and how to grow value of understanding how to decouple yourself from these different functional areas, but then specifically how the financials can give you the information of when and how you can afford to decouple yourself. I'm laughing because so many consultants would just be like, well, just hire someone, just hire salespeople, just give them a bonus. And it's like, what if I can't afford it? So I just think that the financial roadmap becomes the guiding map and the decision tree of when and how you can actually entertain a sales force or decoupling yourself from the actual day-to-day of these different areas that are unbelievably important from the operations or the sales. So go check out the Intentional Growth Starter Kit where you can start to think about how to do this. And then in the Starter Kit, we have that financial scorecard in my case study where I project out the financials of a company so you can see when and how you might be able to entertain business models like this and or afford to hire the people to give yourself the leverage that John's talking about in this interview. So with that being said, check out the starter kit and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode with John. Yeah, you know, it was great um, because it was in 2011, kickstarted that up. And just, again, I, I love working with small business owners and um, it did, it was just, a, I was free. You know, I was, um, I, I was, um, I felt free because I had my freedom. I had my flexibility uh, back. I, you know, I had my weekends back, you know, all the different things that I, that I needed. And, uh, so yeah, we just, uh, we would help business, small business owners and their health insurance and just built that book of business and developed a great, uh, a lot of great relationships, uh, with those clients. And, um, you know, we did that and that's really what ended with what steered me to the, world we play in today right 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 and this is why i so i want to pull a little excuse me a little bit of a thread of like okay so because it, it was very helpful how you built the uh, book in city group understand what the client needs pay off their debt you got these three products teach the uh the sales rep what is their why get to their why get to then what they need financially to get that intrinsic and then you're building a process behind to make sure that i mean to kick out 100 financial plans a week man that's insane not not 100 like net news but like plans so you built this machine so now you're in healthcare so there's a need from the client you've got these agents and then you got this machine and, and maybe if you it can give us maybe a little bit more depth because i think this will be helpful when we get to the lifetime structure john of like you're not like in the in your old world and for, correct me if i'm saying this incorrectly but you did you were a broker, right? So you didn't, you didn't, you didn't create the products, but you were, you built the machine so the sales agents and yourself could deliver those products and the right products to the client. So I say that because you're not a wholesaler necessarily. Like you're the one that, like my old world, like a distributor or a manufacturer's rep, or like so you're organizing different products and services to deliver to the clients. But you've built this machine, so you did it in financial planning and then in healthcare. I think, like I said, it'll be helpful when we explain what you're doing now. Sure. So yeah. Because and the reason I started last part is because when you say, oh, I just built the team, people are going, how the hell did you do that, man? Like, yeah. I think it's a, just a unique thing that that I think you find very natural these days. Yeah. Now, great, great question. And you're absolutely right. Yes, we have the products, but then we had to build the process. We had to build the system. And um, when you're working with... Um, I don't know how to put them, you know, salespeople, uh, there, there are certain 
they have you can just talk about me john just, you, you can, <laughs> just, just say it like you're saying it to me it's okay <laughs> they, have, they have certain characteristics and they may not be the most uh the, the best they're not organized or they're a cloud of dust you know and then you're cleaning everything up after them and i mean they're the best you know but um you know they get out there organized chaos right organized chaos and so there was an immense amount of processes that we had put together to the point like okay and again back then decades ago right so back then this is where um the input sheets goes okay this is the next step on how they get put together and and then um and, and they were and this is there was a lot of lessons that we that I learned back then that I didn't duplicate now uh, because, and then, you know, so everything was one, two, three, four, every, you know, A had a one, two, three, four, B had a one, two, three, four, C had a one, two, three, four. And that started back then, you know, running those offices because it was just like, wow, this is crazy. You guys are driving me crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and so uh, we just added a lot of structure. And we added a lot of systems and processes. And even though, oh, I don't like structure, I don't like this and that, everybody uh, went the more, not rigid, but you added structure. And people, um, they're more comfortable and confident when structure is wrapped around them. And, um, and so that's what happened back then. Uh, fast forward to the health insurance. And again, this was all at that point paper. You know, it mm-hmm, wasn't... Mm-hmm. No computer, it was all paper. So same same process. Okay, block scheduling. You know, this is when, you know, you you know, this is when the, the appointments were, were prospecting. This is when you run your appointments. This is when the paperwork was done. And then the back office team, okay, this is how you process the paperwork. And uh, these are our safety nets we have in place to you know avoid things falling through the cracks. And so everything had to be one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and repeat. I mean, it was just, uh, and every, you break down every part of that business and everything has to have a, you know, one, and two, what three, I four. I love process. about what you just said, and for the listeners, this is so important because I've gone inside my, my, my our old industry and a lot of companies I've seen, it's like they've, they think that the sales rep should just have some sort of form of torture of like admin work just because there there's this perception that people are out having too much fun and making too much money and and by the way john you'll love this i was out to dinner with my wife and i was talking because i you know about your uh the la uh, advisor boot camp a month or two ago and i was like megan this is the first time i've been around a hundred and some producers that are just machines and i'm like it's just it's not normal because and Megan goes, these people are making so much money and it's because they're just willing to get kicked in the face 400 times before someone says yes. And I'm like, yep, that is correct. <laughs> and like, and but like you've recognized that, John, and it's okay that they're out there doing that because you've respect, you respect that. That is actually hard, these, especially these days, but then you've built yeah. the machine. So that way you're, they're spending as much time with people as possible you didn't just say everything of the structure and the rigidity to force them to have torture. I think that was an amazing, that was an important call out. Well, that was the biggest, what I was just uh, alluding to, that was the biggest lesson I learned from back then that we carry forward to today because when, um, when I uh, uh, transitioned back into the health insurance world, it was just small. I mean, I didn't bring 
you know, all those agents with me, I mean, they went with the sale. And so um, I started over and it was my wife and myself and, and my son at that time. And so, and then we, we added a couple of agents, at, you know, later on. But um, what I learned from back then, to carry, we carried forward to today, Ryan, is that uh, our field consultants for the lifetime advisors, see, back then you had to go prospect yourself. You had to go set up your appointment. You had to close you had to write the business. You had to process the business. You had to service. You had to order underwriting. You had to follow up with underwriting. You had to then um, deliver the policy. You had to collect the payment. You had to do And then everything. when, the, when the, that's all, all finally done, you look forward and your pipeline's dry. You're like, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so that was how in the olden days, you know, I guess, Ryan, I mean, that's how it was always done. I mean, the salesperson, you know, where, to your point there, it's just like, oh, yeah, they're out, have fun, have a lunch with people, having a drink or whatever. And it's just like, no, there's so much more that they had to do. And so, you know, you fast forward to lifetime advisors, that's what we, we, um, we bring a concierge service to the field consultant. And, um, you know, they, they do what they're great at. You know, they meet people. And then they set up the appointment uh, to for our discovery team. They hand it off to our team, and then we and, take and it what, from there. What I think is so cool, and we're going to get to what you guys are doing here, is you're making sure. I was again, I was talking to my wife because she's been watching this, you know, and I'm like, it's for a salesperson, and and it's absolutely the same. I would say more so for entrepreneurs. And I was actually talking to you about this the other day. Is like when you're selling something you're brokering your reputation and your trust. And there's nothing worse, regardless of what kind of money comes from it when it just fails miserably. And so like you're, you're, as you're building sales teams like this, you're effectively holding in the trust together that the, that the field consultant and whatever promises they made, you're making sure the promises are kept the whole way through. And that is one hell of an art, man. And it's very hard. And so before like, I'll just kind of tie from the healthcare to this, like, cause I think it's important because you got rocket fuel inserted into your life essentially 24 months ago. And I'm kind of leading up to that. Like, it wasn't just something that this lottery ticket that's going on right now with like the 1.3 billion or whatever it is, like you had a, this whole thing kind of set up to capture this opportunity. So where did the, so you scaled the healthcare uh, insurance. So what did, what did you end up doing with that? And where were you? when the this quote-unquote lottery ticket came in and why don't you kind of explain and kind of connect all those dots yeah and that was where again the one of the main, biggest reasons why we were able to do uh do what we do with lifetime advisors now is um again we've got we got really good and people you know tell me something new but we got really good with processes and systems and you don't just figure it out in a day or a no, week. No, I actually, you know? I think I asked you, John, yeah. how do you deal with feedback like that? I'm like, have you come up with a process? And you're like, no, the skin's just thicker. And I'm like, oh, got it. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It's a lot of, you know, just trying to think through it every half step, not even a full step, you know, the half step and, you know, put those processes in place and then, okay, it didn't work and go back and fix it. And, and, and you get two steps forward and one step back and you just keep refining that process and never let off the gas on the process. And I think a lot of times people, we get a process, okay, it's a process, 
and they keep running with that even though there could be a better process. They don't go mm -hmm. back, they don't review, mm -hmm. they don't refine, uh, they don't revisit because they got a process. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you may have a process when you in your daily life, right? And it may not be the best process, but you keep doing that process regardless. If it's, uh, you know, maybe you should get up and, and walk or run in the morning or something yep. instead of whatever, you know, so everybody's got a process. And so that's the same way in uh, what I learned back then to the health insurance, because, again, health insurance, there's a lot of moving parts in the health insurance. And um, and we got even better at laying out our process for the health insurance than you know that than my previous life there. And so again, uh, nothing magical. Just like okay, and if our process was slowed up, like um, processing the paperwork or the service was we were fumbling or whatever, I would stop the sales part of it. I mean, I, w I would not put on any more business until we were uh, returning. Uh, service calls that day, not a day later, but that same day, unless it was later in the after one o'clock, then I, we would we would stop the amount of sales we we would bring in because we had a, a service, you know, that book of business. Well, and that's where like you balancing the stakeholders of the customer, the sales rep, and the company, like it's truly an art. So. Where you, you ended up selling your healthcare business, and so walk us or get bring us up to the moment of where the when the ERTC came about. What was going on that allowed you to take that and run with it and insert it into your business that has led to where you're at today and how you're using that to I think build an advisory practice that's very disruptive. Yeah, well, we um, uh, because of the group health business uh, relationship that I had, um, they reached out to us. And they said, hey, um, it didn't start with the employee retention credit. It started with the research and development tax credit. And so, um, you know, again, the short of the long is I was approached and, hey, a lot of business owners are missing out on this research and development tax credit. And this was, you know, probably 18, 2018 uh, when that started. And so and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And so, again, review uh, uh Investigated for about a year, researched it, I should say, for about a year. Did you write it that off? Really great. So the CEO, <laughs> I, just, I, I did. I couldn't <laughs> help myself. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so because again, a lot of good ideas, but you have to make sure it's really a good idea and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's doable. And so. Um, so this CPA firm, um, you know, had, like I said, Ryan had reached out. And so we started um, uh, looking into that. And so delivered it, um, the concept to about 10 of our uh, business group health clients. And none of them have ever heard of it because this um, firm has said, yeah, most uh, companies, they miss out on this R&D credit. And I'm like, ah, really? You know, it sounded good. Didn't really, you know, I half believed it. And the only reason I have believed it because I knew this firm for about seven years. And so um, we we delivered that. And out of those 10, it was like eight out of 10 of them got a significant recovery on the R&D. And, you know, we had talked to their CPAs and they didn't know hmm. anything about this. They knew they knew of it, but they didn't know the mechanics of it. They didn't know. Oh, no, you don't qualify for that. You know, and you dig into the tax code and sure enough, they qualified for it. And so. Um, that's yeah, what really tax codes or insurance because, documents, man. It's about the same thing. <laughs> Sounds so much fun, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, but again, yeah, a lot of digging into that and and, and um, 
dissecting the code and getting um, second and third or fourth opinions on, hey, is this, you know, is this, uh, am I understanding this correctly? And, you know, sure enough. And so then that's what really started, Orion. And then I um, organically, just from my connections and relationships, hey, John, what are you doing these days? Well, this, that, and tell them about the R&D credit. This is pretty cool. It's very unique. A lot of business owners are missing out on this. And and they, oh, that sounds interesting. So then just that's where it really started. And then I, um, you know, started, they needed the support for the R&D side of things. You know, so I brought on, I I brought on a couple of agents at that point, you know, and so they wanted to market the R&D credit. And so then we turned into this full back office support for those agents. And then the firm that I was moving that business over to, the CPA firm, they did not have a very good process because we started like, running some Can you volume. handle this? Oh, sure. And like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, just even from the qualification, uh, we designed um, uh, an in-depth question on do you do this do you do this do you do this and then we moved it into an interview part of it then we moved it into where we were kicking out a 55 page report on their qualifications you know to justify the credit i mean at that point it was not an irs requirement but if we were going to put our name behind it we were going to make sure that they qualified for it uh, for that r&d credit and so, uh, but that's what really happened, Ryan. And so then, you know, two, three, four people, again, just from organically talking to some previous, some friends that were, you know, in the insurance industry and outside the insurance industry and uh, the R&D credit, it took off. It, it blew that's up. so fast. And for the listeners, so, too, because you're your industry and your model, these aren't people you're employing with a W-2 paycheck, correct? And I think that that is no, a crazy, no. unique characteristic of your the industries you've been through john because these people are like wait a second i gotta have a ninety thousand dollar base pay for some it sales rep and it's gonna take me 36 months i mean i'm being probably dramatic here but to get the you know the return on you know the to actually have that person pay for themselves bring in the new business you're sitting there people like and this is what i find so fascinating you just found the people that have a why and need money and are salespeople, and then you're just delivering them a solution where they can live their best life, right? Like it's it's just so interesting because when you, someone thing can take off like that, I think sales is something that so many people struggle with that they have have a hard time understanding that you just have these salespeople that are looking for things to sell, <laughs> and you're just like, here, I will build a machine for you, and you're like, hey, I just find it so interesting. Well, and the biggest uh, thing, the lesson, you know, that we that I carried forward to today is those people that. Again, in around 1819, you know, they started, um, you know, we connected and I'm like, yeah, you can, um, you know, deliver this concept to your clients because they had books of businesses. And um, and so then um, we took everything else away from them that they had to do. So they had the contact, but uh, they would have to fill out uh, an input form. Uh, but then we would put the report together. Uh, we would track the business. We would collect. We would service. We would do everything. So all they had to do was deliver that uh, that concept. Well, now we've even taken a one step further that, okay, now all you have to do is 
you know, give them um, the quick overview, but then go to the discovery. Call yeah, let's just, let's talk about what, what you're doing next. We've got another ten. I live in the future, right? Well, you've seen enough of my stuff now. Where like I live in the future, but context is so damn important to me. We're like. You know, why, I yeah. think it's so helpful. And that's why I, I was so excited to get you on the show is like, how is all this possible? Right? Because like, I get it. But like, you, in order to believe it, I think the backstory is so damn helpful. So walk us through, like, how, you know, how in whatever detail you want of like how lifetime came to be from after you left and sold the, the group health insurance. But I think it's more important to spend the rest of the time like what is lifetime accomplishing? Because with all of that context, John, which I think was unbelievably important, this is why I think you guys are uniquely positioned to disrupt the advice industry because you understand salespeople and the delivery and the client at the same time. Yeah, it's really, um, it's been a, an awesome journey the last couple of years. <clears throat> um, again, the R and D was really the, the kickoff to the transition from health insurance and the research development just start uh, credit. And that's how we were doing. And then we were moving it over to this firm and they were the CPA firm. And then they were, you know, processing that or doing the work, you know, uh, once we got them all the information and the documents and what have you. And, um, and so then that, um, you know, set the platform. And so we were Clipping just along. really um, cooking along with the R&D credit. And um, again, I had, I didn't, I stopped putting business on for the health insurance. I still have that, but we were just servicing the clients, the, the book that we had. And um, well, so then we had put together a really nice um, uh, servicing team for the R&D credit, uh, back office team, internal team, you know, for that. And um, and then I had met some individuals and, and again, um, lifetime advisors, we have five, there's five of us partners. And, um, you know, one of the partners, um, you know, 38 years running an accounting uh, firm, um, you know, everybody, you know, another partner, Ian, uh, Tony Amator running the accounting firm 38 years, uh, Ian Grove, advanced estate planning, uh, Jeff Molman, advanced sales manager, uh, Mark Zucri, uh, a very accomplished uh, attorney operating in the FINRA uh, Department of Commerce space. So. Um, you know, we, we put all these uh, unique individuals, we put all of us together and we all have our specialty where, you know, mine was really the processes and the systems and, uh, and between Jeff Molman and, and myself mainly, you know, we brought a, a team of people, these independent field consultants. So to stay compliant, uh, they are field consultants, not a, a, a agents, not advisors. Uh, and did you get that, Mark? <laughs> Mark, <laughs> Mark, our compliance <laughs> officer. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so we were able to bring that together. And um, uh, the, the biggest thing, Ryan, is um, the independent field, the field consultants, again, we're not trying to make them an expert on proactive tax planning because lifetime advisors, our core, um, our core offering is proactive tax planning. And I know a lot that gets thrown out there a lot, but most of the time uh, business owners look back instead of forward on their, their tax planning. So again, proactive tax planning. And then from there, everything spins off, whether it's a research and development tax credit, the employee retention tax credit, 
capital gains uh, strategies, estate uh, uh, buy sells, uh, exit strategies, mm -hmm. everything that you know that you're very familiar with. And so, but uh, the base is that proactive tax planning that um, everything. And it comes was from. like like when we said like it was literally like a marriage in heaven because I when we sat down last year and I was like, here's what we're doing, and you were explaining all of this. I'm like you and I started kind of joking around of like, Hey, like these business owners that I've been working on and building this business for a decade, I'm like, no one understands what their company's worth. They're just guessing. <laughs> so like, they don't know what it's worth now and they don't know what it's worth in the future. I'm like, how can you do an advanced tax plan on some, like if one of your largest assets, you don't know what it's worth today or in the future. You're just, you're guessing on this huge hole in this plan and you, you don't, you want to mitigate taxes and the cash flow along the way. And when and how you're monetizing things. So like, and we don't do any of that stuff, right? So like, it was like this whole like, hey, oh my gosh. <laughs> like I said, I've tried to build sales forces in the past. And I'm like, getting them, getting them to understand what I have been building has been too complicated. But like to sit down with a business owner and say, are you paying too much in taxes? Do you want to pay less in taxes? And would you use that cash for other things? Maybe grow the value of your company. <laughs> it's like such a straightforward conversation that I like it would, and then I'm like, wait a second, John, you have a hundred people showing up on a Friday sales call, like looking for other things to comprehensively sell. It was just super fascinating to me. And so what gave you the confidence to build the, build the field consulting team and build the operational systems on this tax opportunity? Like what, what, what really were, what hit you where you're like, okay, I'm going to double down on this opportunity because you don't based on kind of what you're doing and some of the other stuff, you don't need to be doing this from everything that I've gathered. So what was the opportunity and why did you capture on the opportunity? That's an awesome question. Um, because when the, with the research and development credit, and I mean, we were just, a you know, that, that's all we were concentrating on at that point. And, and then we had the, the uh, health insurance agency uh, but the R&D credit was just so much fun, and um, I was able to reconnect with some awesome uh, – uh, <laughs> They were agents, now they're field consultants. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just became a lot of fun there. But it's just like, okay, you know, I, I don't personally – I'm like, you know, like you said, yeah, Ryan, I don't need to be doing this, you know, financially, but I'm just like, um, I, I don't hunt, I, you know, hunting and fishing, that's not me, you know, play old man hockey in the winter time, but, you know, it takes me three <laughs> days to recover after one, you know, pick up game. So I go, okay, I could play hockey twice a week and then recover the rest of the week. I, mean, I do know that do? you, uh, you bought, uh, some land right down the road from me and you have a new Bobcat <laughs> that you found uh, a lot of fun with. So I do know you've got a couple of hobbies. <laughs> I, I do. I did find a new passion, absolutely. So that is great. Get on that bobcat and rip down trees and cut them off. And I mean, it's just like, boom, ten, eight hours goes by like that on a Saturday. That's what, ha that's what happens when you get all that so, feedback. Now I understand how the hard skin stays there. <laughs> yeah, but it's um, but really, it, it was that. I mean, because, yeah, we all have decisions to make as we go on in our life. And, um, you know, kids, all adults now and um you know, busy with their lives. And, you know, it's really, you know, our life is all family and, and, um, but, you know, you have to have something to do. And this just, uh, this was so much fun uh, being able to, as I met the, the owners, as I was describing, or um, 
uh, yeah, introducing to you, it's just like, um, gosh, we could really do something great here because most, so many business owners, they are paying more in taxes than they should be. They, they're unaware of a lot of different credits. Uh, they're not getting the proactive service that they need. They, they have a why, you know, they want to be able to build their business and have the quality of life and uh, possibly exit that business or sell that business or move it to the children or what have you. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of fun being engaged on a daily basis, being able to do this. And as we've, you know, brought this together, again, uh, everybody, their own specialty in their own rights, as far as in their own wheelhouse, it's just like, you know, personally, I mean, I don't have to, I don't do all that. I mean, leverage. I'm more of the systems guy. Yep. The leverage guy. Yep. And then, um, so um, that's really where it landed, Ryan, you know, a few years back. I'm just like, okay, can go, you know, play hockey once or twice a week and jump on a Bobcat. <laughs> but, uh, Was there you something? know, and so we made a collective decision. So from a personal enjoyment, that uh, ton, tons of, I, I totally get that. What about the opportunity in the marketplace? So it went from R&D to then ERTC to now holistic in how Ian puts it, I like, which is annual annual income tax planning, long-term capital gains tax planning, and estate tax planning. So kind of three big buckets that incorporates a lot of different types of tax strategies, right, inside of kind of those categories. Mm-hmm. But where did you yeah. – in that journey go, okay, this opportunity is there for me to then get excited about explain, explaining this to a hundred field consultants and building a business off of that opportunity. Yeah. Back in the R and D days, you know, so really 18 and 19. And, um, uh, because again, as we we're meeting with these business owners and they were not familiar with just that one, credit, just the one. Just the one. It, yeah. Uh, just the one. And it's just like, wow, when taxes are not going away. Are you sure? You know, that would be really they're, nice. They're, they're that not, wasn't your news. <laughs> they're not going down. And, um, but again, just with the collective, um, you know, with the rest of the owners and their specialties on how we could help them and how we could better their situation. I mean, the opportunity was very obvious and very evident. You know, uh, you know, to me, I mean, to other people probably a long time ago, but for me, mm-hmm. it's just like, wow, they didn't know about this, their R&D credit. They probably don't know about this, 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 and this, and this, and this. Right. And so really, that's what ignited it back then. It makes and so, a ton of sense. And yeah. Since then, 400,000 CPAs have left the profession. Every CPA firm I've met is like, I, I mean, I shouldn't say every, but like, I hear we're not taking on new business, looking for other partners. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, I think it's a a nature of like the industry and like that, like the grind for the tax returns. And then you kind of have this lull of like, Hey, what the the proactiveness, it's a victim of the machine that's kind of already built in the system. I I don't like behold anybody is it, but like, it's like, then you take 400,000 people out of the industry. Like that's where there's, there's such a gap that you guys have found. And then, if you think about those industries you just mentioned, so tax, I saw commercial banking do this, John, like, I don't know where in the evolution it was. Commercial bankers started to get salespeople. Like I'm, I have a high school friend that I know who he's a, he's a banker. And like the, even, even saying that is actually comical in my head because, <laughs> but he's just a salesperson in the world that you are. He's not actually underwriting and you are taking kind of that approach towards advice. Like there's not a lot of CPA firms that have a sales force, 
or wealth managers that have a sales force or, you know, like the, the state planners that have a sales force, which you have. So walk us through, like, now we're getting to the future where you're a sweet spot. So what do you see as like your competitive edge and what you think lifetime advisors could be over time? Yeah. Well, from a, from an in, uh, independent field consultant standpoint, um, again, because, um, I mean, if I, I got to be careful, I mean, I get emotional uh, because these core group of uh, friends that um, are truly great friends of mine that we started this together, the consultants, I mean, if we're going to talk dollars and cents, and they're our biggest asset. I mean, they are our assets. And um, and we look at them as, as truly business partners. And so as we, 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 um, we partner up with these consultants and and again i was there i was the just like you ryan i was knocking on doors i was making the calls i was processing the paperwork i was doing all that you know i would go and they went you know the the i would get no show i mean (laughs) you get it it. you get it you know i mean and so if we could take as much off their plate as possible and yes give them the education but they're not going to be the, the, they're not going to, they don't need to know how right, the watch right. works, you know, just how to tell time. And so that's where your job, have some knowledge, get to a discovery table, a discovery meeting, and then our specialty, specialists take over from there, you know, ed, you know, doing the, the discovery meeting, educating, collecting the documents, dissecting the documents, putting the plan together, delivering the plan, you, you know, collecting payments, servicing it, answering questions. Our back office team does all of right. that. So put yourself in that as a consultant. Oh, it's just like, I don't have to do yeah. any of that. Well, and like, 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 amen, by the way, from someone that yeah. like, 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 honestly, I, I think I've, I don't know if I said this to you, John, but if I would have met you and you would have had this nine years ago, I wouldn't have built this. Because essentially, I wanted to be what you're saying, and I had nothing to sell. Because I was like, I know the problem. Because I sold the company, it was a total total disaster. I want to go solve that problem for other people. And I was like, well, there's nothing to build, or there's nothing to sell because there's nothing built. So then I had to do my job over the last ten years to build it. And you've now got this where all these people want to do is help their clients. And what what I think is super fascinating about your model is. Right now, other than what you just said, the alternative for the business owner to get advice and to help get help is that every one of these advisors has to have an alphabet soup of acronyms behind their names. So you have to have your insurance license, your your securities license, your your maybe an attorney for a JD, you're a CPA, you're all of these things. So all these people go get more educated, more educated, more educated, and they're not meeting with the business owner to help them. Or when they get to the, because they're so smart, they sit down and they, they want to explain how the watch is built. And the people listening kind of know my dad, but like he has an attention span of 20 seconds. Like that is it. So he does not care at all. He doesn't even really want to know what time it is. And so like, my point is like, I think that's been the biggest gap is these, like the machine of the advice world is the people that are the relationship people are also the people that have to get the certifications. Also the people delivering the services. So it's kind of like you can't really proactively plan. You know what I mean? Like there's just such a, it's a completely, what you're doing is a completely different business model. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, you take uh, like even, you know, Corey, your dad, who's uh, turned into be one of my best friends in the world. In fact, Corey is one of them where if, um, 
you know, I'll get that feedback, I'll get that critiquing from is um, the, because, um, you know, we'll do a delivery or we'll do a launch or we'll do something. Hey, Corey, you know, give me your thoughts. Oh, I'm you not think. shy about that. <laughs> 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 He's not worried about hurting my feelings, you know. And, uh, uh, but, but no, it's just like uh, because – but the opportunity for the field consultants is they don't have to wear 15 different hats. They don't have to be the specialist. They don't, um, they don't, they don't have to do all those things because like you said, you can't be everything to everyone. Right. And so that's where we can operate in the insurance business, in, in the insurance world, the tax world, the, uh, the, the investment world, um, the buying and the selling. I mean, 15 different areas we can operate in because we have specialist teams of people in each them. one like, of like those almost areas. Like, like what you were doing in the insurance space. Like, hey, you're, you're not the one yeah. writing the policy. Like you're the one organizing all the solutions to deliver to the client. It's Yeah, and you take a guy like Corey. Corey's job is get get to the discovery call meeting and then he's pretty much done at that point. <laughs> like literally, and, um, like I joke, I'm sorry, it's just too funny for the listeners in because it's, I mean, I always joke around. Like when I started in 09, John, we had no org chart for 115 people. And it's because Corey Tansen was just selling for 20 years. And then I, I always joke, he like turned around and was like, who are all you people? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, and if he would have just been like, hey, dude, just go sell, just go sell and other, other stuff will happen and everything will be fine. But it's so... But that's what's so great with Corey. Like even Corey's using that example. Uh, Corey's like, you know, if he watches this, he won't get no, the stars. No, absolutely not. Story. Zero chance. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I'm loving life. You know, I've got all this freedom, flexibility. I can do it from wherever I'm at. You know, he's not absolutely because we have it, you know, somewhat. Um, um, we have it laid out somewhat to where, you know, people can build mm -hmm. a small team, a management team. Um, and um and so he's he's doing that he's getting the leveraging he's part got of a purpose John, like in and, specifically uh, because of what the listeners have been hearing for the last seven and a half years he didn't need the money either but he needed a purpose and he needed a people pe yeah. he's all talking about you and the people and the team and like i was out at his pool last night and i'm like and he's like yeah i'm working he, I'm like you were power washing you took a phone call like that's like that's his idea of like the dream right i was power washing like you know cleaning my pool taking some you know closing some deals and i'm like it's perfect yeah 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 but but that's uh but again i you know like Corey and others i mean they are just um they are the backbone of our business and um you know and so again to your point earlier, it's just that, you know, that's what keeps me, um, not motivated, but that's what keeps me so, you know, Energized. on point is because Corey's bringing his relationship mm -hmm. to us. He's entrusting his, his relationship to us. And we have all these different teams, you know, that starts off at a proactive tax planning, but it could go here, it could go here, it could go here. And so, um, you know, we take that so seriously. It's just like, we cannot fumble mm -hmm. the ball because that's a bad reflection on Corey mm -hmm. and, and the others, you know. And so uh, we we have a, um, a maniacal obsession about the servicing, and we're, we're not. It's not where I want it to be, but that is just like when when I go to um, you know our COO, who is phenomenal, Stacy Castle, just a tremendous, you know, just like. You know, our knockout list, okay, number one, maniacal obsession on service. We want to have the best servicing in the world. 
And I know everybody says that. Um, and we're not there yet, but that is just like but, but you t- but when the, I get the, there. The business owner will be happy and the rep will be happy if you have that done. Yep. And if it like, like you said, otherwise it's like yep. a wildy coyote where you just run. And then all of a sudden it just like, it's going to catch up to you. If you don't have the service, if you're not actually doing what you're saying, you're yep. going to do. Yep. And again, it starts with the process, right? You know, everything is process and system and process and systems and processes and system. And, and, um, and mm-hmm. then the servicing, you know, at that point. So as we're about uh, closing here, what, what do you want life? What do you think lifetime will be in the next three to five years? Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome question. Uh, we have massive plans, um, Ryan, no doubt, um, as an ownership, um, as a team, uh, um, you know, we love what we're doing. Um, there's a lot of um, expansion plans that we have um, on the table. The blueprints have been drawn up. We'll be launching at the end of uh, this year, early part of the next year. Um, so we, um, we, we, um, our plans are, are massive. I'll put it that way. You know, so, but it all does start with that proactive tax planning. Um, we, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of expansion continuing. And it's the expansion uh, of the, so the field consultants across the country and then continue to refine the, the process. People. Yep. Refine the process, adding new services, um, onto our platform. John, this has been thing. so fun, my friend. I'm so happy you were able to come on two final questions as we wrap up the word intentional, you know, that I love that word. You've been hearing it a lot. Uh, what's it mean to you? Yeah, I love that word. Intentional is having that plan, having that goal, right? And then what are the steps to get to that goal? And then consistently work those steps uh, every single day to get to that goal. That's intentional to me. Dive left, dive right, dive left, dive right, dive left, dive right. <laughs> where, can, uh, where can everybody find Lifetime Advisors? Lifetimeadvisors.com. John, thank you so much for coming on and everything we're doing together. Ryan, appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with John and thought about things differently. You're thinking about your business differently, but probably also about how you're getting advice differently. Um, if there's one thing I would say is working with John and the Lifetime Advisor Partners and their company over the last 10 months, as we've been working on how to partner up with them, it is not easy getting all these stakeholders on the same page. John and his partners relentlessly listen to their clients listen to their uh, field consultants, their sales reps, and listen to the back office team in order to make sure that everybody's getting what they want. I asked John the other day, I'm like, how do you how do you do this with so much stoicism? <laughs> I thought he was going to give me some very wise answer. He said, Ryan, my thing, my, my uh, skin just gets thicker and thicker. And I say this with a, with a little bit of tongue in cheek because I truly believe the pain that John has been going through is worth it for everyone. The business owners are getting advanced planning that they didn't get before. They're getting products and services, and they're getting closer to their goals, the business owners, a.k.a. you, and the people that we talk about, which is creating wealth, enjoying work, making an impact, growing a valuable asset that's going to create the choices that you want. That's becoming more possible because they're, John and their team are listening to the clients. They're listening to the field consultants who are talking about 
what are the right, what's the right process for discovery calls, for assessments, making sure the right messaging and the events and the overall experience is what it needs to be for the field consultant to maintain their reputation because they're delivering what was promised. And then therefore, Lifetime Advisors has to build their operations, their systems and processes that are accomplishing everything that everybody wanted that has all the right expectations. It's hard as heck but it's worth the effort because the leverage and the scalability comes after that. It's the whole sharpen the ax for four hours before you chop it down for the two if you've only got six to chop down the tree. I think it's worth it, and I highly challenge you, I highly encourage you to challenge yourself on thinking about how to decouple yourself from the business and of the various fashions, but then also are there different models that could apply to your business to help you scale, get the leverage, create the wealth that you want? But then also, are you getting the advice that you need from your advisors? And if you're not, is it because the advisor's in the old model and they're just trying to do too many things for too many people? So there's a lot of different takeaways. I hope you sit down, kind of write down your ones for your business, but then ones for your also the advice you're getting. And if there was a takeaway, I would say reach out to John and uh, the Lifetime Advisor team. If you're looking at tax planning, we're partnering up with them full disclosure. So that way their clients can get the full business uh, visibility inside the value of their company and the, the company financials to their target equity valuation. So that way Lifetime's team can actually do the forward proactive tax planning that they need to because they actually understand what the company's worth into the future. So there's a lot there. I just hope that this was a good episode for you to think about your business, but also to think about the advice that you're getting. Stay tuned for next week where we've got Brian Roars. I swapped the the episode uh, order if you are following this. Brian Roars is on next week where he's going to be talking about how he scaled his real estate company from having a couple houses to deploying multiple billions of dollars with his brother Kent and they're only in their mid 40s and he's been doing it through a lot of the same philosophies that John has and then following that episode with Brian Roars I've got a gentleman Bill on who wrote a book called Further Faster and he's going to be talking about how to be, how strategic planning and execution fit together with the voice of the customer and it's a very practical episode that I think after these last couple will help you understand what can you do in your business to start accomplishing the same things that a lot of the case studies have been on the show and they've been describing their stories. So thanks everybody for tuning in. I very much enjoy and appreciate the support and I will talk to you next week.